pull on that jersey. You represent yourself and your teammates. And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Saunas and Three Team Parleys. Yeah, the hottest podcast in the Keweenaw. Oj, what are we going to talk about first today, you think? Oh, there's a lot on my mind. I got I got a few things I want to get get off my chest here, but let's get into that uh, the events of the weekend. You were an athlete again on Saturday. Yeah, um, you had participated in this a couple of times, and uh, this was my first experience with the Bujack Fun Run. Uh, what a great event. I never you do? I did the three miles and I did not stop. I ran three miles, 30 minutes, about 10 minutes a mile. Probably could have pushed myself a little harder, but, you know, pleased that it's finished. Uh, they had a good turnout. The long run, they, uh, Crozy said, was the long, the biggest group they've ever had. And, you know, it's a good event. They raised some money. Um, but a couple, a, a couple of cool little side notes on this. So this year they dedicated the fun run to uh, Ronnie Baudet. He was a... Uh, legendary Bujack member who passed recently and you know passed within the last year or so here and uh so they dedicated that to him they put his picture on the shirt and um first place in the overall thing was his son David oh so that was kind of cool um and David was a good runner for you know when I back when I coached track and then on a side note that I don't think a, a lot of people notice but believe me I do they were handing out like apples and like snacks at the end but they also had little bags of homemade beef jerky really yeah that's that's new. That was not well, there when I was running. That well, night. and people didn't realize this, but this was something that I knew, and and it was a very cool touch. So Ronnie Baudet used to make homemade beef jerky, ah, and over the years he has given me thousands of pounds of it. So, um, and actually, to be honest, all the Saracens, Ambules, and Baudets, the only reason they graduated is because they bribed me with this Baudet beef jerky. But I've been a big fan of it for years. So his son David. Uh, First try making the Bodette beef jerky. It, I thought it was fantastic. Um, such a cool touch to a, a, a cool event. Well, let's get back to you again. What? How did you? Uh, did you have a partner that you ran with, or were you solo? Did you blow out the rest of the upper forty and lower fifty field, or? No, I uh, I just threw some headphones in, and well, I was in the group. A lot of people walked, and I just started jogging and listened to some music, kind of ran by myself. Didn't finish near the front, obviously, but didn't finish completely last. So I think it was a fun event, and they raised money for the Bujack First Responders, great organization. So um, kudos to Crozy and Lizzie and, and, and Rita for organizing this event and Dreamland for hosting. So I'm a fan. Beautiful. I'm a fan. What else we got? Well, I know I you got – Basil's downstairs again. Oh, great. I know you got some things that you're going to – you're pretty upset about, but – I got something that's not even sports related, but we got to people. We got to get a clue in life here. So we did some traveling last week because um, some some family medical issues, and we had to go back and forth to Wisconsin. And as you know, we're right in the heart of construction season. Okay, people, if you are stopped at construction, we had a couple places where we were stopped for fifteen minutes. You know what happens to that line of cars? Uh, tell me. Ten miles long. Right, you were at the back. Well, I was not at the back. I was in the one time in particular. I was in the about the, towards the front, about six cars back. If you are the first car in line, you have to drive faster than the speed limit, or you got to get out of people's way. I was from Mass City to Houghton. We our group could not pass the people that were in front. 
There was a hundred cars behind these morons. And like, guys, you got to get out of the way. If you got more than five cars behind you, just get out of the way. So a little bit of road rage was setting in oh, on the construction sites for you well, is what I'm getting. All that, all they had to do was get out and just pull over. Let, let, let the people pass. If you're not going to, and that's fine. You don't have to drive like a NASCAR guy, but you can't hold everybody else up to. Anytime there's a passing zone, there's other cars coming. It just, it was, it was miserable. So hey, those people should get their license snipped. I got passed on a dirt road. So they're, <laughs> they're replacing our, cul our, spit that out, our culverts on Lakeshore Drive, getting ready to put in a new road. So we got to take Fisherman's Road quite often because they're blocking it off on different sections there. So, so how about this? I'm driving down Fisherman's Road. I mean, it's a dust bowl. And I just so happened to turn in before these other two vehicles that were behind me. They And I thought maybe they were going straight down the hill if they lived down that direction. But no, they came in right behind me. So I happened to be first. I'm going at a reasonable speed. You can't go, I mean, you know how it is. Dry, yeah. dry dirt roads like that, there's dust everywhere. Lady behind me in a car, she stayed about maybe 20 yards behind. There's a truck behind her that... That three quarters of the way through Fisherman's Road decides to pass both of us. I lost it. I mean, lost it. What? Why would you do that? Did you make a finger gesture? No, I hollered out the, like against the window. The windows <laughs> were shut, and I started screaming. Yeah, that's normal. The, the truck <laughs> blows right by us, and all the dust is in my face. So that you want to talk about a little bit of rage. And, and Fisherman's Road isn't very long, so there's really uh, no need to pass. No, no, he was. We were half a mile from the end of it. So that that kind of set me off a little bit, but someday we'll have to discuss my driving academy. But both, both situations, these people shouldn't be driving on on, on roads. And it's you got to try to take a breath and just deal with the construction situation. Yeah, that's no, it is. it is. It's it's where we live. But there's there's things that you can do to to not make people's lives more miserable. You know, you sit there for 15 minutes, and now we have to drive behind some guy going 45 miles an hour. Ah, uh, all right. Anyway, um. As we're gearing up for the sports season, it appears as if the MHSA may have listened to our volleyball rules podcast. How many did we uh, rules did we affect? Well, they did change one. Beautiful. It's yeah. a start. It it is a start, and I think once they look at it more, they're probably going to adopt some more. But yeah, there will be no more bench changing in volleyball. MHSA. Good to know we're making a difference. Um, what about this Orioles announcer? This guy that. This is un kind of unbelievable here too. Kevin Brown, I believe his name was. And he does a good job. He's a really good announcer he, for the Baltimore Orioles. He uh who are in first place, I believe. Top of the, the I, I yeah, the top I, I of think the this guy does some NBA stuff also. So he's not just, you know, just the Baltimore Orioles play-by-play guy, but yeah, this is unbelievable. And the, I I can't think of that owner's name, Angelos, I believe. I think it's I think his last name of that Oriole ownership family is Angelos, but this this situation, and I've heard many different fronts, sports talk, radio, what, whatnot, and there's not one instance where I heard anybody backing owner Angelos on this deal. So he's talking, they're playing the Tampa Bay Rays, who have been very, very good, and the Orioles have not been good for a long time, and he's talking, he made some comments. As he's reading the graphics, too, this is the other part of it, like the whole production team, had, this was part of the production thing. He had mentioned how the Orioles had struggled against them. And it, when I heard he was suspended, I went back and listened to it. I didn't hear anything bad. First, he was re just reading the graphic, like you said, right? Right. What, whatever they put up there. 
but yeah, he made a reference to the fact that uh, whatever number of years this was, Baltimore had only won a certain amount of games versus Tampa Bay throughout this span. And now this year they've already eclipsed that mark by winning whatever that number is, right. correct? So oh, he, yeah. He just made an, uh, a remark, and it was true, it, it, just stating a fact, but basically complimenting this year's team on the steps and the strides that they've taken to get to where they're at. Now they're winning some games against Tampa. Well, that resulted in a suspension. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I don't, and now I hear that he, well, supposedly he was going to be welcomed back on August 11th, which was the other day, but what an absolute joke. Maybe he should give them the two bird salute. Yeah. That, that blew my mind. So anyway, yeah, whatever. Why do people make life harder than it needs to be? Speaking of making things harder than they need to be. Uh, last week we did a little ripping on the NCAA and their and this is dictatorial policies, maybe? This, uh, this is hot off the press today, too. So Jim Harbaugh, and <laughs> this just blows my mind. So basically <laughs> what happened was there was a, an agreement, a settlement between Harbaugh, Michigan, and the NCAA that there was going to be a four-game suspension for his level two violations. Basically, it was all all around the what he, he did or didn't do. Suspended for his not bowing down to them during the COVID nineteen pandemic. Okay, uh, dead period. So he, the rumor was he was going to settle for four games, but nothing was ever confirmed. And Harbaugh, Michigan people. All they would say was, we, it's an ongoing investigation. We can't comment. Harbaugh made the comment, got nothing to be ashamed of, so on. So we didn't hear anything about it. Right. Well, this morning, it now looks like the four games is off the table because basically what happens is the the rules committee and the Harbaugh crew that agreed in the four day that came to that agreement, four games, now it goes to the judge, so-called judge with the NCAA who then puts his stamp on it or her stamp and it's a done deal. Well, they didn't agree to the four games. Whoever is in charge of that kangaroo court <laughs> did not agree to the four games. And I'm guessing it's because of the Harbaugh not being forthcoming with. So the are they looking to get rid of the four games or add to it? I'm thinking they're looking to possibly add to it and Jeez. they're going to get, they're going to get, I mean, the NCAA looks absolutely ridiculous right now, more yeah. than more than they did a week ago. So now it's going to go to court, and that the court case is not going to happen until 2024, which means our boy Jim Harbaugh will be coaching this season. There will be no suspensions. And then they come out and make a comment. So there was all the rumor, right, about the cheeseburger. Yeah. And, and that's basically, that was d done by fans. It was the, the Michigan fans that said, there was recruits at a restaurant in Ann Arbor. He went in, bought a hamburger, and, you know, there's been nothing confirmed with that. You know, the, the AD at Michigan hasn't said that. The, the Harbaugh lawyers haven't said that. Harbaugh said nothing about that. The NCAA, though, during an ongoing investigation, they come out and make a statement today <laughs> saying, oh, this is more than just a cheeseburger. Are you shitting me? I mean, th they look so bad in this. Well... The end of the day, they, not long. The NCAA may not even be 
messing with college football. We'll get to that later, but this is and now they're gonna they're gonna put all their efforts into trying to prove that Harbaugh um, wasn't forthcoming with them on the investigation. I, I tell you what, his lawyers they're gonna come out. I think they're gonna come out smelling like a rose on this whole thing. And and good, we don't have to deal with it this year. But I just can't choke that down. I honestly, God, the NCAA is a joke. It's an absolute joke. And I, I you know, and like I said last week, Harbaugh's probably. Uh, wrong in the fact that his ego got involved with this, but he's not going to back down. No. Michigan's not going to nope. self-impose any penalties on him. Are you kidding me? So here we go. But it's, yeah, it's an absolute ridiculous situation, and and I think the N NCAA can stick it. This is this is more of a soap opera than my daily viewing of Young and the Restless. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Well, whatever. I'm sure there'll be more to come, but well, let's, uh, let's welcome a new sponsor, Oge, located at 8 miles south of Lake Linden on the Bujack Road. The Dreamland Restaurant is your choice for great dining. Family owned and operated for over 100 years. Whether you're in the mood for their Mexican Monday specials, burgers, pizza, or a Friday fish fry, Dreamland is your next stop. How quickly did you stop in there after the fun run? Uh, I had some more beef jerky when I, I had, had some more beef jerky. So, yeah, got to spend there. So, um, you know what we should do now, Oj? We've been last week. We talked about the the AFC. Is that it? Oh, doesn't that get you in the mood? It's coming. So let's take a look at the NFC today. All right, I'm ready. You want to go? You want to just get your your nonsense out of the way right off the bat here? You want to start in the East, or you want to finish with the East? Um, let's finish with the East. Well, let's start with the NFC West. That one's easy. So you got the Rams, the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. I would be willing to place a large wager that the San Francisco 49ers win that one. Hey, don't you think? I would think so. Those I, other two, Arizona and the Rams are. Yeah, the, the Rams, well, I mean, it's, you know, they got to rely on Stafford being healthy, which hasn't been the case. Right. So I think that's the big one with them. Um, they're going to take a step back. The Cardinals, boy, they're. I see. I, I saw with her last night or today that they're looking to get rid of Kyle, Kyler Murray now. I saw a little picture of him uh, standing around. He's like, that he, kid is tiny. Yeah. He couldn't even go on all the rides at Great America, I bet. Seattle. Um, Pete Carroll will have them. They'll be solid, I would guess. Yeah, they got some. What to, it was it? Geno Smith, the quarterback there. Yeah. He had a good year last year. So, like I said, I think Pete Carroll, whether you like him or dislike him, he's going to have those guys playing. I don't think there's eight wins combined between the Rams and the Cardinals. To tell you the truth, I don't. I don't see that. I think uh, San Fran's got one of the top rosters in that in the NFC, um, if not all of football. Um, however, you know their quarterback situation. That the that young kid, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, what was his uh, Purdy? Brock Purdy. He came in and did a hell of a job last year, but you know, we'll see. They there there's some question marks there, at least in my mind, with them quarterback wise. But yeah, I think they're probably an 11 win team. Um, I think they have a chance. They could go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they certainly uh, you could. Know, they the, they know, had the, a shot last year, so. Yep, they're gonna. I think they. I think they win the the West. Pretty easily, I think I said the Cardinals may not win a game. The Rams were terrible last year with Stafford. They should be better a little bit, but they just they mortgage everything to to win that Super Bowl, and now they're paying the price for it. But in Seattle, again, they they could challenge them, but I think the Niners win the West pretty easily. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, the NFC South, 
this might be the worst division Holy in football. Cow. It's uh, the quarterbacks in that division are all huge question marks. So you have Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Carolina. Yeah, big turnover with all of them too. So if if you look at Carolina right at the bat, so they're gonna they're going they're giving the keys of the car to Bryce Young right, right. at the bat. So you know how good can a rookie quarterback be in this league? How successful can he be in his first year? I don't know. I don't. I'm sure he'll. Um, I'm sure he'll have a good career, but I, I just and Frank Reich is the coach there, I think. Correct. Yes. So I said he'll do a decent job, but when you get the number one pick, there's a reason you got the number one pick. So I, I see them being terrible. They'll be below 500. Um, the T Tampa Bay is going to be horrible. I, I just don't. I don't see them. You know, they they were a playoff team last year, but the, only because they won that division. Right. Um, well, somebody's got to win. They this weren't division. even 500. I don't think last somebody's got to win this division. I think New Orleans wins a division. I, I do too. I think they win nine games and that'll be enough. Um, Baker Mayfield or David Carr is their quarterback. So that's probably the most trustworthy quarterback. Desmond Ritter is supposedly the quarterback for Atlanta. They, they got that run, running back, Bijan Robinson. Yeah. And uh, so that'll be interesting to see. You know, they were kind of overachievers a little bit last year. I think so too. They. I would suspect they take a step back this year. Yeah. Like I said, I, I Tampa's think... horrible. Um, well, like I said, New Orleans, I think nine wins will win that division. I think New Orleans can get to that with David Carr um, and a pretty good defense. So that's the way I'm looking at that. But that's only a one-team playoff, a one-playoff team from that division. Right. Same with the West. There's no right. wild card there. Yeah, same thing there. I think uh, San Fran wins the division and maybe – Sniffing that wild card would be Seattle. Seattle could that would be like maybe an eight seed or something. We'd have to go back and have to check out their schedule and see who's on there. But they if there's gonna be a wild card out of either one of those two divisions, probably Seattle. We gotta go back to uh maybe next week we should go back and look at those uh over under Movie. win totals. See what we did back when and then uh see if, if it, we gotta make some adjustments and look at that stuff again. Those are kind of fun. I mean, the payout isn't obviously till the end of the year, <laughs> so that kind of sucks, but um I'd like to look at that. So see if we change our tune with any types of free agent signings or right. whatever. So NFC North. Okay, this is the one. This is the year. If you talk to a Lions fan, which you've if you talked to them for the last fifty years, this is our year. The Lions are everybody's pick to be the come out of this and have a great year. But first of all, they're still the Detroit Lions, and two, they got a tough schedule. I mean, they're opening with Kansas City right off the bat. Yeah, and week two I don't think is a oh they got a tough they got a tough schedule they got some tough games right off the bat are they at Kansas City I think so and if things don't go their way do they resort back to past oh. Lions practices this division is going to be tough it's tough to predict like you said the 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 hype with the Lions is unlike ever before in our lifetime yeah but um, let's let's win some games here before we. You know, bring the Lombard, make a case for the Lombardi Trophy. Well, let's first off, Chicago. They should be better, but they're just. I don't. I. I just. I don't trust Justin Fields. Well, they had the number one pick and traded it. They traded it to Carolina, so they got some picks out of the deal. They just. I think they got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Well, the second half of last year is when Fields started playing a little bit better. Put right. put together some. You know fancy statistics there rushing the ball and, and throwing the ball but I 
I'm not sold on him. I don't trust him yet, um, which means I don't trust the Bears yet. I'm thinking Chicago is probably going to be around that seven win mark. If that. Um, Unless Justin Fields does make a believer out of everybody, I just can't see them winning a lot of games. I can see – I can. You know, I see them winning some games at home. I don't see them winning on the road consistently enough. So I'm looking at about seven wins for them. Um, Detroit, boy, like you said, schedule's tough. Um, again, I want I want to know what Vegas has for them in their win total. God dang it. Because I'm looking at, to me, I'm, I'm thinking about 10 for Detroit. Yeah, I'd, they could be anywhere from that 11-win team to they could be a 6-win team too. I'll take I mean, the over on six. Jesus. Yeah, but who knows? Like I said, there's a lot of hype for them, and usually when you get that much hype, you, you seldom live up to it. All right, how about our Packers? They've been hung out. They, people are leaving them for dead, hey? I see Jordan Love had a decent showing, 7 out of 10 in his preseason debut the other day. Um, well, I think like you've mentioned with them, it's, defensively can they be good enough and can they run the ball consistent enough to help Jordan Love out, you know, to win these games. I think that'll be a big key for Green Bay. I don't think that they're much more than a probably an eight to nine win team. Sorry to say that's where I'm at with them. I don't know if their roster is good enough to to go uh to go beyond that. They got a pile of receivers now. Right. But all unproven. The Packers are not gonna blow teams out 42 to 7. They're, for them to win games, it's going to be 21 to 17 games. They're going to have They're to... They're the Patriots of the of the uh, NFC. Right. If if they can consistently run the ball with those two running backs and protect Jordan Love, not put him in long-yarded situations, let him throw play-action passes and throw when he wants to, not when he has to, they can grind it out. They can shorten the game. Defensively, they're not bad. So I don't know that the Packers are going to be as bad as everyone is, I think, hoping they're going to be. If if Lafleur and his coaching staff protect Jordan Love with that running game, shorten the game, play decent enough defense, they can they can probably play with most teams. And like I said, they're going to win 21-17. They're not getting into a, a scoring fest. They'll get and, and you know when the weather turns shitty and and gets cold in November, December, they're going to have you know some W's just at Lambeau with that. I think, but. Um, I don't, like I said, I got them at around nine wins. And the Vikings, um, I think I think it's Minnesota and Detroit that'll be sniffing that 10-win mark in that division. And whoever whoever comes out on top of their head-to-head battles, you know, if they split, we'll see. But uh, that's the way I see it. I think it's going to be a Viking-Lion division championship. Um, but I don't see, I see every one of that team in that division between seven wins and that ten and a half mark. Yeah, I probably agree with you. That's what I'm looking at there. So, um, just for the hell of it, and to keep our Lion fans ha- happy, I'm gonna. T- I'll take Detroit to win the division. I'll take the Vikings as a playoff team, wild card, um, and uh, Green Bay and Chicago on the outside. I'm taking the Packers just because. <laughs> really, yeah. shocker. Yeah. So, all right, you want to move on to the East? Let's do it. Let's, let's start, before we get into my Cowboys, how about the uh, eventful week with our Washington Commanders? What do you think of that situation? Speaking of soap operas, oh, right? Did I love it. I loved every second of it. Man, 
Yeah, there's just there's just too much drama, and 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 you and I both would like to see the Commanders do well, right? Obviously, we're really rooting hard for their tight yeah. ends coach. Yeah, so you know, for those of you who don't know, this Calumet grad that coached football and basketball, Todd Storm is. He's he's been with the organization for a couple of years, and now he is the tight ends coach in Washington. And uh, but so we'll have to try and get him on here sometime. It'd when be he has nice, some time. yeah. Um, so earlier in the week, Riverboat Ron Rivera goes on social media and mentions that he's had some players complain to him that off, new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is too hard on him. <laughs> Can you believe it? What a joke. Wait, wait, no, no. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Eric Bieniemy, one of my favorite college players of all time, when that eye bone with Colorado back in the 90s. Eric sleeping with Bieniemy. You got her. Um, has been the offensive coordinator with the Kansas City Chiefs. Pretty successful organization. Yeah, they've won a Super Bowl or two, haven't they? So yeah. maybe he knows what it's like to develop a winning culture. and the... Which people in Washington know nothing about because ever since Rivera's been there, they gave him the, you know, the, the reins to run that whole organization. They've been under 500 team and so now they bring in a proven winner and this guy is getting after people i mean he is demanding a lot out of their offensive players the guys on that side of the ball and apparently guys a few guys didn't like it hit the road and that's the thing if you're trying to change that i thought it was a great hire for for washington you know He's always felt kind of slighted behind Andy Reid, and this is going to be his chance to do it. And yeah, Come on, that, guys. That's, that's what should have happened. Yeah. The, the guys that walked into Rivera's office, he, they should have cut him the next day. Yeah. Toughen up. Are yeah. you kidding me? So, it's that, that – I just loved it because I – you know, I, I, no offense. I want Stormy to do well, but I've never – the Redskins yeah. or Commanders have been um, – anyway. G- Giants – Probably, like I said, they did a decent job last year, correct? But the, all this, the drama like we had talked about with Saquon Barkley and paying this young quarterback the billions. I do I, like their coach. I, Brian Dable I, did a good job with too. them last year. I think the NFC East is going to be the best division just because of the, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants. Yeah. You know, and I, I just don't see the Giants winning that. They could, again, sniff in the wild card, I think. So let's put Washington. We're, we're, we're looking at Washington maybe – a six to eight max possibly yeah somewhere I'd say in there somewhere on there um I, I think the giants are a step better than them i don't you know their their quarterback you, you get all kinds of opinions on that guy yeah um but certainly saquon barkley coming back on that get the 11 million dollar deal um is good for them puts them in a good situation i think i think uh, there's actually some similarities between the giants and the packers as far as how you're going to have to go about winning games right saquon was a big part last year again use that running game to protect that quarterback and you know i know you paid him all the money but i don't think he can win games by himself yeah the two rosters uh, as far as you know just overall talent go certainly philadelphia and, and, and dallas and, and Philadelphia, like I said, it, they're probably the favorite in the NFL. I mean, they they were so good last year. You know, does probably should have won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I I'm I'm actually going to take the Eagles, but I know there's one team that you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, I think they're both probably. I love it. Yeah. They're both probably that eleven and a half to you know twelve wins in there. I, I'm I'm guessing it's going to be. Interesting Those are going to be see. some good games, Dallas and. In Philly. Those are going to be some really good games. 
And Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat, right? The change is there. Well, he's he's calling. He's back to his comfort zone now, calling the offense. And, and we'll see. I know. I think one of the big things that that'll do is hopefully keep that defense um, off the field a little bit. Last year, their defense was darn good. But the turnovers, um, Kellen Moore was probably a little bit too aggressive at times. Um, although, you know, it's one of those things when it works here, you're, you're yeah, happy, but, but the turnovers hurt. I mean, Dak Prescott's got to take care of the football. Um, but I think McCarthy calling the plays is going to help with that a little bit. Their, their receiving core is, is better if they can stay healthy. They got a good group there. Uh, Tony Pollard's going to have a heck of a year. They got, you know, the Michigan guy, that schoolmaker is going to be, and, and the Ferguson, I think, is Wisconsin boy. They got good tight ends. Uh, they got to get Zach Martin the heck back in and, and uh, get him happy with his contract, get him on that old line. But yeah, they, that has to happen fast. Yeah. He, they can't win without him. Well, he's, he's good. It's it will happen fast once his checks start getting cut and he's not getting any. Right. So I can see the Cowboys winning that division. Like I said, those games with them in, in Philadelphia. Like I said, the whole division is going to be good. Like I said, and and we're ripping on Washington, but if they get if they get their stuff right, you know. I can see the Giants making a playoffs also, um, but I think they're probably closer to that nine and a half to ten win, where Dallas and Philly are up a little higher than that. So I'm taking the Cowboys to win that division and uh, big shocker. Yeah, well, Philadelphia uh, close second there, so it should be fun. All right, and that is our NFC preview. It's time for Crouchy's Corner. We're going to look at some of the great games, the great events, and the great people that have shaped the history of sports in the Upper Peninsula. Crouchy's Corner is brought to you by Level Up Branded Apparel, the official apparel provider of SS3TP. See Brendan or Sean for all your organization's embroidery, screen printing, or personalization needs. Visit our website at levelupembroidery.com. So today for Crouchy's Corner, Oj, we're going to Talk to my old coach. Yeah, this was uh, a fun interview for us. It certainly uh, meant a lot to you, and I think it meant a lot to him, actually, too. It was, it was good to hear from him. Um, a lot of memories f for you, but for me as well, a Hall of Fame coach at Lake Linden for many years. A lot of success, obviously, so it was good to hear from him. Yeah, it was good to see him. You know, him and his wife are living down in Norway. Don't get to see him a whole lot, so I try to anytime we get down there see him. But uh, boy, he's still pretty sharp too. Hey, remembers yes, a lot of the is. details. So um, let's take a listen to what Coach Warner had to say. All right, Oj, we are sitting here in the confines of Norway, Michigan, sitting with my old coach, Coach Ron Warner. Coach, how are we doing today? Can't complain. Pretty good. <laughs> so we're gonna talk with Coach Warner here about his illustrious coaching career. So um, last. Last week we sat down with with Oge's old coach, and this week we're gonna we're sitting in Norway here with this old guy. Yeah, certainly a coaching legend in the UP Copper Country. Uh, you know anybody there certainly remembers Coach Warner, and I mean 2000 inductee into the UP Sports Hall of Fame. Um, go through some of the stats. Well, about 30 years, 29 years, 30 years coaching, right um, at Lake Linden, over 200 wins. Went to the finals six times, won a couple state titles, um, four runners-up, nine regional titles, 17 conference titles, and 14 playoff appearances. And and people don't, you know, probably took that for granted back in the day, but it was, you know, being a head of a small football program, uh, those accomplishments are are amazing. 
No, so coach, what are when you go back and you look at over the years, what are some of the some of the highlights to start with? What are some of the things, you know, that sit well with you as far as running this program over the years? Well, first of all, I had great kids uh, in the community back to football program. The kids enjoyed playing. Uh, when you have fans that outnumber the opposition and bigger school that you're playing, that doesn't happen that often. So football was actually big. And I may not have had a, a whole lot of college players, but I had really nice coachable kids. From the coaching standpoint, I, I don't really think you can ask any more than that. Well, there's no question that, you know, if you talking with people over the years, well, all of us would agree, everyone, you know, commends the Lakeland and kids on how hard they played and surprising over the years, how, how successful we could be. Yeah. And for me, growing up and playing at UN Troll Creek in the late 80s and early 90s, I mean, that that's that was the heyday, really, of Lakeland, or at least getting into it, right? I mean, you, like, when did you, when did you realize or when did you see that things were turning? into that dynasty that you had like do you remember a, a point in the 80s early 80s or late 70s when you said you know we we got something going here was there a key moment or or time i remember uh, 1977 i think we ended up seven and two and we were at that point uh, starting to get to where i wanted to be and i I do recall in 1980, we started six sophomores. We had a losing season then, but that was about the only losing season we had that I can recall once we got going. But uh, it took some time and you got to be a little bit patient. And uh, I, I think I was. But oh, I also, patient? I, I also, patient? <laughs> Holy cow. Well, you have to be patient with, I always wanted things better than they were, but in a small school like Lake Linden, uh, you have to be patient somewhat, especially in practice. To me, the toughest part of coaching in Lake Linden was practicing because you never had enough. Andy, you actually helped a whole lot there by playing quarterback for the, for the years there for the uh, scout team. I mean, not everybody can do that. And we did it and it helped. And we put a lot of emphasis on defense. So we knew the plays that the opposition was going to run and we practiced it we practiced it all week long so there was nothing new that we saw and you actually helped a whole lot there mm -hmm. and if it didn't work all right there i believe the phrase was take a lap it might have been yeah, <laughs> yeah and i mean for those that of our listeners that don't don't get it we're you know, we're talking numbers that are you know if you hit 20 it was you know that was a high high number team correct yeah, you know, a lot of those teams were in the your, your your entire roster was in the teens. Definitely, most of them were. Once we got up over twenty two, I uh, I was in heaven. Oh. I, I really <laughs> thought that was something. But usually, something happened, or someone got injured, or something like that. So almost always, we were below the twenty two. Right, and it's always been that way ever since. You know, I mean, if you go back and look at other programs, they they've always been befuddled on how we were able to be successful in practice with such few kids, but a lot of it is attention to detail and doing right. things the right way and having kids that buy in. Yeah, well, for sure. Well, what about go back coach and think about some of the biggest wins. Think of some of the most satisfying wins, you know, off, just off the top of your head, 
what games stick out to you as far as big wins? I mean, obviously the state title games are, are going to be right up there too, but you know, maybe something that the average listener wouldn't remember. You already mentioned one, that big three, nothing victory over you and Troll Creek with that ridiculous field goal. But we don't need to bring that up again. Go ahead. <laughs> that was a, that was a game that was uh, played in mud in terrible conditions. And you don't see high school football games usually won three to nothing, but that was a mud game. And that one I never forgot. And then we played you and Trout Creek again yeah, the following week. It was a little little bigger point spread. A little game, bigger but... point spread, but it was still you and Trout Creek was a very good team. Did you then. did did Oge get to positive yards in that second game? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, hey, was... let's move on here. <laughs> what, what about that? Like I'm curious about so you won the two state championships. Mm-hmm. What about the semifinal wins there and some of those games? You're like what are what are fond memories well, of those I, games. Unfortunately, the, when it comes to semifinals, I remember the losses. I, I remember one at uh, St. Ignace when we thought, or I saw that we had lost. We completed a pass in the end zone for the two-point conversion to win 8-7. to seven, And the official came in and signaled that it was good, changed his mind, and we lost. Our fans didn't see that. Our bench started running on the field, coaches started running on the field, guys, hey, he dropped the pass, we lost. And that was one oh, of the toughest uh, that that was, losses. So, so we, that was the 1998. That would have been... Uh, that would have been 98. And if, if we, Let's take a step back. No, that and, would be 1988. Or 1988, excuse me. Let's go back and, and recant that season, because that, in my opinion, that's one of the years that really got our program rolling. That was the year where there was a loss to Wakefield in week nine, and we didn't make the playoffs going in. Right. And on, was it Wednesday of that week? The state had made the error, and on Wednesday, all of a sudden, Lake Linden is in the playoffs. That's an unbelievable story. Going to play Gaylord St. Mary. I was sitting in my office one day, and the phone rang. Uh, Ron, this is Fred Seibel, Michigan High School Athletic Association. Hi, Fred. How are you doing? How about you? I said, I'm doing fine. I said, what's up? He said, did you put away your equipment yet? I said, well, yeah, that was all done yesterday and the day before. Well, he said, if you want to play, take it out. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? <clears throat> he said, there was a mistake in the reporting to the computer uh, Atlanta, I believe it was. It was Atlanta. Uh, and they dropped out and we took their place because they misreported a game or something of that technology nature. wasn't quite what no, it is today right exactly right you're figuring playoff and, uh, points out by hand so we had to blow the footballs up again and take out all the stuff and reissue equipment and we had to do this on a wednesday and we were playing uh, on a saturday the number one team in the region gaylord saint mary down in uh let's see that would have been gladstone if i remember right so you had a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to prep. Right. Yeah. And they were heavy favorites. They were good, but maybe they overlooked us. I, I really don't know. Yeah. That was, uh, it was quite the, the thing as I remember being a young kid there and the, the excitement in the town, all of a sudden they're in the playoffs because yeah. we had a good team. We had oh, a no, really, we, really good team. But Wakefield had a better team. They, well, they, they did. <laughs> oh, they were outstanding. That they year. did. And went down to Gaylord St. Mary to play this team and, Things went our way that yeah. day. Yeah, they did. We, I remember, right? We won thirty-six to six or something. If that was the game, I'm thinking it of. was. And then the next week, go head to Iron Iron Mountain inside the yellow walls and played Old Nemesis Crystal Falls. And 
I've got to think that's up there with one of the your well. It definitely was ones. considering that they had a uh, during timeouts and quarters they had to shovel the sidelines and the yard lines because it was snowing so hard. Uh, we, we got a six to nothing lead and we held on and played good defense and uh, that's the way it ended six to nothing. Wow. And then back to like we're saying that semifinal. Yeah, I remember this like it was yesterday because I have issues, but. Um, zero zero tie with Frankfurt in St. Ignace semifinal game. Frankfurt scores, kicks the extra point. Troy Londo hits Robbie Cuff on crossbuck pass left for the for the right. touchdown and come out for the conversion. You're on double slot right, slot back, reverse pass, and Troy Londo fakes the reverse to Robbie Cuff and dumps it in the flat to Mark Gillis. Tyrone Brule from Frankfurt comes out of there and smokes him, and George Boleyn was the official and waved it good and then no good. <laughs> That's now, all, I don't know. I could be wrong. No, you're 100% right. I talked to George after the game, and I said, you know, you signaled that it was good. He said, yes, that was an error on my part. But he didn't have it, in my opinion, long enough. And I'm 35, 40 yards down the field, so I can't argue with that. Right. See? So it was a very, very difficult loss, especially for a moment when you th- oh, thought you won. That had been, yeah, it had been <laughs> crushing. Yeah, and then they had it on television, so the whole UP saw it, the, uh, the way they put it on TV, you know, what a way to lose, and, and which it was, of course. It was tough. Well, it's but still one of the that, best games I can remember yeah, is being, being watching. Yeah. But, one, of the, one of the things, too, we talked about on the way down, uh, Crouchy mentioned, the, which I didn't realize, but, you know, you had three, three losses to, to Minden, you know, over the years, and, and – you know, what a juggernaut they were at Ooh. that time. Menden was outstanding. Outstanding program. Outstanding line play and big, strong, physical team. Uh, I thought they were as just about as good as anybody we played. But with that being said, I would say the best football team that we ever played when I was coaching was Sand Creek. Now, we won that championship 16-3, to and I... I watched the film and it was unbelievable how good they were. They were ranked number one in the state and they were tremendous all year. They had three all state kids, the fullback, the quarterback, and a big 270 pound tackle. And they were that good, but we just played one of our better games and uh, held on to the ball. Didn't make a lot of mistakes. And uh, we ended up winning 16 to three. You know, in those early days, I'm going to go back to that 88 semifinal. You know, some of those, some tough losses in the semis over the years too. But that 88 year, the really, you know, from what I recall, the the excitement in the community got cranked up a notch. And, and that's really where that the program took off. And we were talking about all the success we've had. And, and I don't even know if you know this fact, but in the decade of the 1990s, you know that Farmington Hills Harrison was the only program to win more games in Lake London? Somebody told me that. Uh, <clears throat> it saw that on a computer. So I did look it up. And, I, yeah, you, you are accurate there, but it, that really surprised me. I have to, yeah. you know, I'd, I I knew him, uh, Farmington Hills Harrison coach, uh, John Harrison, I believe it was. Yep, John, he's still kicking. Yeah, and he coached many, many, many years and a class guy. But to compete, you know, with a program like that was unreal. They're no longer a school no, now, of course. No, they're but, not. Uh, back then, they were absolutely tremendous. Well, we're trying to highlight 
great wins and you keep bringing up these losses <laughs> here but you know those like you, the losses stick with you uh, right? you know mine is the last week the we talk thing. about this too you know it, it, over oj's coaching career and mine too i'll bet you i could i could give you details of the losses more than the wins sure, right sure. because but what are some other like just you know obviously the the 90s was a, a pretty special time um other games anything else that comes to mind that you can just like maybe even just a regular season game or or whatever, whatever the hell you want to talk about. This is your house. Well, I know that it, it's always, it seems like maybe a little bit more fun when you win uh, against a school that's larger than you. And we, over the years, played Houghton, Hancock, Calumet. Uh, Lance was bigger than us in those days. Uh, and it was always more fun to win because most people thought you're going to be the underdog against the bigger school. So I won't, I wouldn't say any specific game, but just the fact we're playing those schools, uh, a lot of class D schools refuse to play those class mm -hmm. C schools and class B schools. Well, and the playoff system was, wasn't set up for that either. Correct. At the time. Well, that, and that was one of the you things you weren't really rewarded. Well, at that, that in those days we were, in the 90s, okay. that time period, right? In the 80s and 90s with the strength of schedule. Yep. So that was something that always helped us. When you go back and look at teams that didn't make the playoffs, those Hancock teams and those Barriga teams. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah was I mean, we that. always played bigger school. And right. Let's be honest, there wasn't many schools that were smaller than us. It was no. Barriga that was undefeated that didn't get in the playoffs. Barriga right. was, and Hancock did sure. in two years. Yeah, so so that was always a helpful thing. Yeah, one game that really stands out, though, this was a, a game. We had gotten beat bad down at Barriga, and they were undefeated that year. And I think it's something like 1981 or two, somewhere in there. And uh, we played Besmer at Lake Linden. And they had a, a guy that went on to play pro football. Uh, Bob Jurison went on Northern and so on and so forth. He got hurt in the game, but he came back to play. And we were ahead. And they came, we were ahead eight to six, I believe it was. And they came in to kick a field goal at the end. And this is a true story, and some people probably wouldn't believe it, but there were numerous fans from Berga. There are people all over the place watching this game because if they win, they're going to the playoffs. They kicked the extra point, or the field goal, I should say, and up it went, and believe it or not, the football landed on top of the cylinder, the upright. And Bob Scully, the official, held both arms up saying it was good. The other four officials came running in saying it was no good. And Bob Scully realized that was the old rule they had changed 10 or 15 years ago. He was a very experienced official. He realized he briefly made a mistake. We ended up winning. And of course, Besmer didn't believe it. And so the Bar so Berga was pulling for Besmer. Is that what? No. Besmer was going to get in the playoffs. Oh, okay. Yeah, Besmer was going to get right. in the playoffs. Okay, yeah. I got you. Right. Yeah, so it, it was an ending that was unreal. Uh, Do you but, think Coach Bat Galanoff still remembers that day? Do you think he's still carrying a rule book in his back pocket right now and scowling at Mike Mackey and Doug Larson? I had Be honest here now. I had some notes here. I wanted to know. <laughs> that was one of the names I want to bring up, your old coaching foes, uh, Pat Galanoff. Yeah, Pat and I, we conversed with each other all the time we have ever since we retired. He sends me a Christmas card. I send him one, and we talk back and forth. So we have a lot of respect for each other. Both of us went to Michigan State. He was an all Big Ten, uh, 
academic all oh, so you guys tackle, are way back okay uh back in 1966 when we won the national championship at michigan state so and he invited me back to reunions to go with the football team and i never went because i said pat I never played football for Michigan State. He said, that doesn't matter. And I said, well, it does to me. So I never did go with him back there. But uh, he did a heck of a job there. But I've never seen him, I've never seen a coach so upset after a game. And he didn't even attend the all-conference meeting. He was so upset. He sent his assistant instead. And that was the reason. And I, I've heard this story from, from you over the years, obviously. I've heard it from the official. I've heard Pat tell the story. I mean, it's one of those games. And again, it's before my time or if I was there, I was fighting with Besmer kids in the end zone playing football or something. But that was a great game. Um, what about some other coaches over the years that the good good rivalry games? or I got one for you. I want to bring this guy up, if you don't mind. Talk about quirky coaches. How about Jimmy Engel there in Wakefield? <laughs> Jim was a different guy. We're, we're all different people. I mean, that's, you know, he was a fundamental coach. He he had the that tough offense where you hide the football. His father, El, Elmer Engel at Bay City All Saints, he had that offense. It was unbelievable. And many people said unstoppable. And he ran it to a T. But uh there's more than just offense, and uh, I found a little, few weaknesses in their defense, and that's what kind of helped us against Wakefield. We, we, we won most games against Wakefield. Well, he had some athletes. Too. Oh, he, he had tremendous there. athletes yeah. there. Plus, we used to know their signals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you do that on the sideline, eventually people are going to catch on to that, I guess. But uh, he was a solid fundamental football coach. He got a lot out of those kids. Without those a doubt. Still, Without know. a doubt. Like you, every time you lined up with, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a battle and they definitely had some kids. Always. You know, one of our, uh, one of our listeners that listens to this podcast is Mr. David W. Holmes, and he's a fan of it. So I'm sure he's going to appreciate uh, the kind words that you had to say about their program. Yeah, he was a heck of a player. They had another player there. Scott Krasnarich. Krasnarich and him were, were outstanding football players. I recall that. Uh, one time I thought we played him in, in a rainstorm and, in Lake Linden, I think it ended up something like six to nothing or something of that nature. And it, I mean, it was bad. It that was, was the worst conditions I uh, ever played a it, game in my life. It was bad. I couldn't even take a snap. No, it like, was my terrible. hands were so cold. You know, little Ron, he was trying to keep my gloves warm, but I couldn't take us. Everything was a fumble, <laughs> and we somehow won six so nothing. Ninety two. It was uh, would have been ninety fall of ninety one. And then okay. we came back and beat him in the playoffs pretty yeah. easily. But yeah, I think I still remember that being the worst conditions I it ever was played in. I, I would agree. And I can imagine, see, back in those days, you were still a little soft with the weather too. So you probably didn't like it much more than we no, did. No, I did not. <clears throat> I did not. We played in some cold games uh, where you had to uh, wear extra clothing and so on. But I guess that's part of football, especially at the end of the year and especially in the Copper Right. I mean, yeah, that's for the sure. That's, for that's sure. the reality of it. Well, Coach, anything else you'd like to add here? Like I said, we appreciate you taking time here. Oh, do you have anything else? I mean, no, that was great, great stuff. A lot of good memories, and uh, it, you know, certainly, hopefully, brought back some positive ones for you. Not all the negative ones, but like you said, sometimes it's tough to get those out of your out of your head. And uh, but I appreciate you doing this for us. Yeah. So, Coach, thank you very much for having us here. We appreciate it. I know our tens of fans are going to like this. It's Wager Talk with Oge. Listen to my two cents or listen to my nonsense.
your choice. All right. So a little betting tip for today, and I'm going to look at it just strictly as today with, with some baseball. I'm not going to get into the weekly deal, but I'm just going to give you my uh, my little plan for attacking today's baseball, Crouchy. Did you, did you, you uh, yeah, I'm listening. Did you take uh, your own advice last week and look at some pitching matchups? I did. How'd I that did. turn out? Um, I was two out of three. Which isn't bad. That's better than... Especially on baseball. Two right. out of three will get you in the Hall of Fame. And like I said, I haven't done a whole lot of... Well, I haven't done any baseball up until last week. But today I'm going to have a little bit of fun with uh, some pitching prop bets. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm going to go... I'm going to back Freddie Peralta with my Brewers today on over seven and a half strikeouts. He's been on a Are roll. Are they playing the A's? Uh, no, they're <laughs> they're playing Chicago, the White Sox. Um at Comiskey or whatever that place is called now, but it's Comiskey. So <laughs> I'm going to look at that and I'm going to take him over seven and a half strikeouts because he has been on a roll. Um, he had 13 his last time out. And I might parlay that with uh, Willie Adamas, uh, total bases over one and a half. He's been on a little bit of a, not, I wouldn't say a tear, but he's, he got a couple of days off last week. He was in a long slump, and he's been hitting the ball pretty hard since. Let me then. ask so, you: this. total bases, so he's one and a half. Like, so he's got to get to second base or get on twice. Right. Does a walk count? I believe that so. does, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So, well, what about hit by pitch? Sure. Okay, so maybe you should dip that elbow in. I'm gonna, um, but that's where I'm gonna go today. I like, and the pitching, the pitching props are always fun. Those the, the strikeout stuff, you know, and, and uh, plus I'll have the game on the radio today, so. Um, that'll make for a little more interesting, a little more fun for me listening to the ball game and hopefully the Brewers can get the sweeps. Nice. So, Wager Talk with Oge has been brought to you by the Vision Clinic. We offer a wide selection of eye care products, including eyewear, sunwear, and contact lenses to fit your specific eye care needs. Our mission is to provide quality service and products at reasonable pricing. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Give them a call at 906 482 Six eight zero zero to set up an appointment, and they got great sunglasses, don't they? Damn right. All right, so let's answer a couple of questions. Only a couple this week, but uh, the first one is a good one. It kind of it's going to kind of spring us back to the whole Harbaugh discussion here. But we have George from Lake Medora. Well, well, well. So George's question, and this is a good question. I think we could we could probably do a whole show on this one. So we'll go out, try and keep this somewhat short, but. To expound on your discussion of the NCAA, do you think if the Big Ten and SEC can become big enough, they can leave the NCAA and start their own league? P.S. Thanks for the shout out of Bucks and Booze, but we'll see about that number two. I think you said it was his podcast was a distant number two as well, but oh, welcome the competition. But uh, yeah, this is he doesn't even have can koozies, does he? I can't imagine. Okay, so are the Big Ten and SEC going to be big enough? I think I mentioned this last week. I think it's going to end up being like the NFC and AFC in college football, right? There are going to be two monster conferences, and can they just tell the NCAA to take a hike and just run this themselves? Boy, interesting thought, isn't it? I, I mean, it's that's that's where everything is leading right now as far as these these conferences go. It's 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 ridiculous, right? The, there, what is there left in the pack? Is it the pack four now? Well, there's four, but Stanford and Cal are supposed to go to the ACC. I see there's been some holdups there. But, you know, if we brought this discussion up four years ago, we would have thought we were nuts. Right. Now, like I said, I, I'm 
I'm actually thinking that that's what's going to happen is you're going to football because, and somebody brought this up. Um, I forget who, who brought this up that they said, everybody should be like Notre Dame independent football becomes separate and then keep all the other sports in the current conferences they're in. And as, as foolish as that sounds, I don't know if it is that foolish. No, that's, that's sounds perfect to me. I mean, it, it's the way this whole thing is going. And again, I'm not one of those people that are sitting back complaining about it and all upset about college football and, and the realignment. If you're not getting bigger, you're getting smaller, right? Right. And it's, yeah, it's about money, but you can't blame the Big Ten for what they went and went and did, getting these no. these other schools in there. So it's going to be the SEC and the Big Ten and or big whatever, you know, the number of teams. That's where it's going to be. And the Big 12 is trying everything they can to still stay relevant, right? They're they're trying. They're the next one in, in line, but the Pac-12 the pack is done. Yes. They are dead. They're going to, I think those other schools are going to end up with the Mountain West. And I, I see the ACC kind of turned down a couple of them too, right? Yeah, they Cal were, and yeah. Stanford and I think Florida State. But the, the ACC is, they have a big money contract that's not expiring anytime soon. I know Florida State is looking to get out. You know, Florida State and Clemson to the Big Ten is rumored, but. I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to the college football season. I'm not going to sit and complain about all this stuff. I'm, I don't know if we're answering George's question real well, but I, I do believe it's going to be those two conferences and everybody else after that, how that's going to shape up with a playoff, you know, the, the, the playoff type settings and right. stuff. What's going to happen with the Rose Bowl now? You know, that's how there's a, I think the one thing, and again, I'm with you. I actually like some of this because you're going to see some pretty interesting games in the next couple oh, of years. It'll be a blast. But you know, you and I are both, guys that are big with tradition or we just got you just got to accept the fact that there's not going to be all these traditional things yeah you know and it's we'll get over it i i I guess to answer george's question i think i think they could happen i think they and that could solve a lot of the problems if they just become separate i mean and again i don't want to say that they're minor sports but other sports i mean ucla traveling to rutgers for a volleyball match or a gymnastics match or baseball game even you know the sports that don't make a lot of money it's the travel and the money that they're paying for this. And I don't want to listen to Lane Kiffin anymore either. I'm so sick of that little weasel yeah. running his mouth about. Has he changed jobs talking, recently? Thinking about the kids and all the, the travel and the academics. My God. Yeah. Whatever. So good question. Thanks, George. And, you know, keep that number two podcast or the key one out rolling here. So um, Paul from Boise, Oge. Good question. He asks, name the top three NFL quarterbacks that you've seen play. No, is this like live or? I'm guessing so. Okay, well, I'll go right off the bat because I've been to numerous Packer games over the years. I haven't been to one in a while because as I get older, I don't want to be cold. But I've seen Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers play at Lambeau. You know, um, those those two are obviously first ballot Hall of Famers. And then uh, third... Um, I think I saw Steve, I think they played the 49ers one time and Steve Young. So oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I used to go to a lot of Packer Lion games, but Lions haven't had a good quarterback. And yeah. Andre, where's still their quarterback? The, uh, Eric Hipple. I met Eric Hipple. Um, I saw Favre and Rogers as well. It's hard to, I mean, they're Hall of Famers, right? We went to that Lion game. Was Rogers the quarterback then? Yeah. 
It was. That was mm -hmm. probably the early transition it's years. Matt then. Stafford, right? So we've seen Matt Stafford play. Um, I guess for me, you know who else I saw? I was at the I was at a Packer Falcons playoff game when Michael Vick was playing. Really? And he, you know, did some bad things, but he was a pretty talented guy too. So I saw Troy Aikman his rookie year. Oh boy. And that was a rough. Yeah. That was at at uh, actually I think that was in Milwaukee or was it Lambeau? Can't it? No, it was it was uh, Lambeau. But you know who was battling with uh, Aikman as Cowboys starting quarterback that year? They weren't quite sure which way they were going to go. Rodney Pete? No. Nope. I don't know. Steve Walsh. Oh, hey, I got to now. You just from opened, Miami. You just opened a can of worms here. Do you know where Steve Walsh is right now? I do not. This is gonna this is gonna go because yeah, you don't. Steve Walsh is now the head football coach at Creighton Durham High School in Minneapolis. Really? Yeah. Do you know who went to school there? No. Isn't that Robin Yout's hometown? Joe Mauer. Not Robin Yout. Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor. Yes. Yeah. So uh, a good friend of mine, one of the guys that I traveled to the NFL draft with, is just took an assistant coaching job with Steve Walsh at Creighton no Durham kidding. High School. So yeah, Walsh and Aikman were in there together, and Jimmy <coughs> he was Johnson, a good player. Yeah. Oh yeah. He. He, uh, in fact, I think they both quarterbacked a little bit in that game. Um, but yeah, that, I anyway, do remember that. Yeah, that was. So, I'll, I'll throw Aikman in with that. I like I said, I saw Matt Stafford play as well. But um, I've seen some Viking games. Uh, I don't. Tommy Kramer. I don't yeah. Even know. All right, we got one more question, and it's coming from Jesse from Appleton. All right, he wants to know, as we found out last week, Oge is a secret Chargers fan. By the way, Oge, our Twitter poll on our fans, all our tens of fans, 78% agreed with me that the Chargers are going to stink. 22% agreed with you that they were going to be really good. So, well, anyway. Good. Uh, so just again in December. <laughs> what teams do you guys secretly root for? And, can, and it can be either college or pro or both. So, um, obviously, you're a Cowboys fan, a Michigan football fan. Um, who do you root for? that people might be surprised maybe as a secondary team. Well, the one that comes to mind right off the bat for me, and it's strictly college basketball, is the Georgetown Hoyas. I was a huge Georgetown fan in the 80s. I mean, I loved them. John Thompson coaching them. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, Patrick Ewing, Reggie Williams, Bill Martin, Michael Jackson, David Wingate. That crew was. Uh, I liked watching them too. I loved them. Just loved the way they played and the uh, big guys that they had. I mean, and he, yeah. And then they, you know, then it was Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo, the Allen Iverson run there. So I was a big Georgetown guy way back when. Though I, it just crushed me that they Patrick Ewing could <coughs> not get that get yeah. that program going again. You know, so they got a new coach this year. The guy that came over from Providence. So we'll see what happens. But that's. There is no other team in professional sports. Um, I, I like my team, and that's it, and the rest of them can suck an egg. Yeah. So Georgetown for me. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm same thing. Packer fan, obviously. I root for Michigan. But I also, I'm, I'm kind of a Michigan State fan as well. You know, I, I know that's hard because it's such a rivalry, but um, especially, with, you know, George, go back to George Perlis and, and other guys through there. I mean, Saban was there. And do right. that great, but um, and I and I and I loved Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. They just played football. They were so tough, you know. They weren't flashy, so I I'm gonna go with Michigan State there. All right, good one. All right, good question from Jesse. So time. 
Yeah, so uh, questions out. Maybe some of our listeners, we get it is football season, so you know, send us some football questions. We're gonna do some, keep doing some previews and stuff like that. But and again, we did mention this last week, and we haven't finalized anything. But I'm kind of intrigued on doing a SS3TP survivor pool. I'm not exactly sure how we would go about that, but maybe people could just shoot us an email with uh, the contact info and tell us. That they're interested and we can we could make it a simple we could do a twenty dollar entry or whatever i think you got to go more than 10 for a survivor pool yeah um but it'd be fun to kind of keep track of that week to week yeah you know, and, so and let's uh send in uh send us an email with your name that you're interested in doing a survivor pool and we got a few weeks obviously to decide and i think it's going to be I, I i did talk to uh a few people that are got involved in those survivor pools over the years and one i thought was interesting uh, he told me that the way they used to do it is you had to pick your your teams all the way through. To Holy mackerel! That was probably a quick one. And uh, you, can you imagine? So you got 18 weeks to pick, and and you got to have you know 18 teams. So I thought that was interesting. But we'll just go the traditional way. Um, I think next week too, you should share your experience with that from last year. Oh, yeah, it's a little bit of drama. We don't have time today, but that's a that's a great story. I know it was stressful for you, but yeah, it ruined about four weeks of football stressing about that so anyway all right our listener questions have been brought to you by poor man's epoxy your choice of local handcrafted epoxy products in lakeland and michigan no custom product is too big or too small check out poor man's epoxy or contact brett at 369-0684 and get your product started now all right oh all this sports talk nonsense we can put to rest because it's now time for you to listen to the lyrics yeah so all right, Listen to the Lyrics has been brought to you by Kiwana Auto Body, located on Pine Street in Calumet. They are your choice for quality collision and body repair since 1966. They are open 8 to 5 Monday through Friday and 8 to 12 on Saturday. Give them a call at 906-337-1203. All right, so this week's song was co-written and recorded by Vern Gosden and was Country Music Song of the Year in 1989. Some very simple lyrics with an almost typical country song beginning. A couple gets into a fight. The woman runs upstairs to the bedroom crying, and the husband heads to the bar to drown his sorrows. But while at the bar, the gentleman sitting next to him gives him a little different perspective on his situation. So enjoy this Vern Gosden classic. You ran crying to bedroom I ran off to the bar another piece of heaven gone to hell the words we spoke in anger just tore my world apart and I sit there feeling sorry for myself then an old man sat down beside me and looked me in the eye and he said son I know what you're going through you ought to get down on your knees and thank your lucky stars that you got someone to go home to you don't know about Or how long nights can be 
So that's bringing episode 24 to a close, Oge. A lot of football talk. We're still not in football season yet. I know it's preseason, but uh, we're getting closer and closer. Um, next week, we're we'll do some college football, Big Ten. Sounds good. That'll be that'll be good. Um, uh, maybe we'll come up with our own top ten or whatever, but we'll kind of look at the Big Ten for sure, maybe some of the other happenings there. But also next week coming out at some point, we're going to have a special edition, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to get into a little bit of local high school sports lead up to the uh, start of the football and volleyball seasons coming up real soon. So I think we'll have a little preview session on that. The first ever SS3TP Copper Country football preview. And we're planning on even doing a volleyball preview as well. So a lot of stuff coming up. These days. we got a lot of football stuff going. We're not even in the season yet. But... Um, good times, good times. Uh, make sure you guys keep uh, sending, get in Oja's survivor pool, send us some questions, and keep listening. See you, Oge. Talk to you later, Crochie.